Today's episode is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try And I promise Hello, welcome of the athletic joined by mark lazarus of the athletic and as always or as of last month we're in separate places mark is at home and i am at home mark hello always and forever this is the new normal we will never leave our houses ever again oh man uh how's your neighborhood like? <laughs> on that Can you walk are you uh, actually it's like, great I, there... I i live i live right off of a bike path like less than a half a block from my house so Every morning, I either go for a jog or I take the bike out when it's nice. I can take the dog out with the girls, and we can at least go outside, and and we have a yard and stuff. I can't imagine, you know, I've had apartment life before and how frustrating it would be just to have no, you know, outdoor space. I'd I'd be losing my mind. I mean, thankfully, the weather is getting better. No, I've lived that life, I'm saying. I don't know how I would do it now, especially with the kids. My God, if I couldn't just send them into the backyard to jump on the trampoline for 20 minutes, I don't know what I would do. I'd lose my mind. Yeah, no, I'm losing my mind. So, <laughs> uh, we went out to my mom's yesterday, and she's got some she's, she's got some space in the suburbs. So, um, but we don't have much space otherwise. Being in the city, I I did wear a mask outside today, and it was the first time that I've gone out and wore the mask. And it was just it's uh, I don't know, you you feel you feel a little strange, but I guess it'll become the norm. Uh, what what was the mask too. made out of? Was it one of like the Blackhawks uh, giveaway scarves, or was it like a real mask? No, it was a real mask. My my wife brought it home from uh, from her work. Uh, she's uh, like a jewelry specialist, so um, it was something they use and stuff. So yeah, I, I assume it's fine. I um, I feel like there's uh, like it'd be cool like you get like designer uh, masks now, or um, you know we can make those athletic masks, or you know like kind of just. Uh... <laughs> I, I was impressed. Uh, I, I went. I didn't. I did an Instacart today Bedazzle to pick it. up my groceries because I didn't want to go into the uh, grocery store. And uh, the, the the guy who did the shopping for me, he had an N95 mask on. I could read it on his mask. I mean, that was like a that's like a serious mask that's not supposed to be used by grocery store workers. I think that's supposed to be for frontline workers. But I appreciated it all the same. Yeah. Um, so on to uh, on to hockey, and we'll we'll see what we can uh, we can scrap up here. Um, I, the Hawks made four signings last week. I, instead of kind of just uh, giving us a little little bit of news every day they gave us all the news all at once and they uh they re-signed Highmore and Lankinen and then uh signed uh who else oh Evan Burt and Andre Alti Alti I just call him Alti Alta Barmakian Alta Barmakian there you go um yeah I don't I don't know if any of them were surprising but obviously some of the uh some of the things that Bowman had on his list um, I thought the Lonkin and things interesting, and, and it was it was expected. But it, now that it gives them Delia and Lonkin and signed for next year, uh, Matt, Matt Tompkins, and then um, you know they signed an AHL goalie today that was at Norwich. Um, 
and you know maybe maybe he fixed maybe maybe they sort of see a situation next year where they have three goalies in the AHL again. But um, yeah, it's uh, I'm still kind of curious where this goalie thing goes and what goes with Crawford and kind of what the bigger picture with with, with goalies are. But I think Lankinen was uh, was always going to be within uh, at least what you know kind of in in what they were doing. <laughs> Sorry, I've, we're we're taping this on Sunday evening, and I, and I, just before we started the podcast, I set up a a fire pit in the backyard for my daughters and my wife to hang out with before I finish this up. And uh, I got a, I, I sat in a spot in the back of the house where I can see them, and my daughters went out there first, and my four year old tripped and came like one inch away from hitting her head in the fire pit. <laughs> she's fine, she's fine. She was laughing, and she's now safe distance away from it, but. That's exactly what I thought was going to happen, and sure enough, it happened. I'm father of the year right now. Um, uh, uh, by the way, it's not Sunday the... night. Oh, God, it's Monday night. You're right. I, I, my, I, I put this on Twitter today. My daughter literally, she goes, Alexa, what day of the week is it? And I had to like listen because I wasn't sure myself. And That's right. It's Monday night. I'm an idiot. <laughs> so anyway, the signings. Um, I, think, I think the one people are, you know, Highmore, fine. He's proved to be a useful player. Um, Lankenden, sure, you need that goaltending depth. Uh, I think Evan Barrett's the guy that that fans have heard of and are excited about and somewhat because, you know, he had a really big year last year uh, for Penn State. Kind of came back to earth a little bit this year, but clearly can score. I know that you've written about him a bunch of times, and he's more projected as a as more of a bottom six forward, right, which the Blackhawks have 95,000 of, though, right? Yeah, and, and I think he's got a little bit more skill than maybe people give him credit for. I mean, he... He had that lacrosse type goal, and he's had some, you know, like highlight plays where he has some skill in this game. But you know, it was kind of the defensive reliability. You know, there's there's some questions a little bit about his his skating a little bit and his speed. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, even even he factors into like a third line center, like it just it adds to that depth. And I and I think the Blackhawks, you know, you look at obviously with Taves and Doc and and Strom and and Camp, and you know, you're, you're building up some depth at center and. You know, Carlton show that he kind of moves those guys to the winger center, and you have Kurashev. So I, I think the Blackhawks have to like where, you know, that you have some options for, you know, top six guys, and then maybe you have some more options for bottom six. But I think Barrett, you know, and, and now that he stayed for another year of college, he's probably a little bit closer next season. I wouldn't be surprised if he steps in the Rockford, does all right, and maybe gets his first call up. But, you know, I, I think he quickly moves up to the top of the list of some of those guys who, uh, Maybe NHL ready and, and, and guys that uh, yeah maybe maybe guys you know you look at down the line that they have a have a have a shot at being role players and and, and I think with Alti you know it's um, it, it may take him some time and you know just talking to his agent it, it sounds like uh, you know that they didn't put a European clause in his deal so they know it's gonna you know he's gonna be at Rockford for a bit but just for the Blackhawks to sign someone from Russia you know they drafted Kayumov and uh, you know going back to Shalunov and Nailimov and and and. And Alti, and now you know you finally sign one and bring one over, and, and who knows if it ever pans out. But I, I think it's um, you know if you're going to draft these guys, eventually you um, and you know it's going to take a little bit longer with you know with their KHL status and all. But eventually you want to bring them over, and I'm sure they're a little bit disappointed not signing Kayumov because I, I think he's probably uh, he's probably ahead of the head of the curve a little bit too, and um, you know probably getting closer to NHL ready. And now they've got to wait a couple of years for him to. You know, his cage hill contract to expire a little bit, but I I thought there was some significance to all the signings. You know, even you know high more, just um, you know, a guy that can you know that you have some depth there, and um, so yeah, I you know I I think all the signings and what they priced out it probably makes sense for the Blackhawks. Alti, I like you've already got a nickname for him, Alti. That's good. <laughs> that's uh, that's what uh, Mark <laughs> Kelly always calls him. So it's, it's just it's easy to remember. Um, uh, yeah, and, and you know we talk about Barrett and. 
you know, we, we, we joke a lot about how the Blackhawks have a million fourth liners. What they don't have is a lot of third liners. They don't have true third liners. In the NHL these days, a third liner is not a checking line grinder anymore. It's got, it's got to be someone that can score. You need to have three legitimate scoring lines to succeed in the modern NHL. So maybe Barrett fits that type where he is a bit of a grinder and he can play defense and he can play a little physical, but he also can contribute goals. That's what they didn't have this year. They had, two, they had a great top six this year and they had virtually no third line. You know, when you had Stroman to bring it on there every now and then, it would click a little bit. But for the most part, they haven't had a lot of, of third-line success. And if Kirby Doc is your second-line center of the future and Taves is your number one guy, if you have Strom as your third-line center, you really need to flank him with some offense. It can't just be, you know, Matthew Highmore and uh, David Camp type. You need to have some offense on that line. So maybe Barrett can kind of step into that Andrew Shaw type role where you could be a 15-20 goal scorer. That would be huge for the Blackhawks to have that kind of middle six presence because depth scoring is the one thing they lack the most right now besides, you know, defense and everything else. <laughs> yeah. and, and someone, you know, I was actually talking to someone who's in the, one of the Big Ten coaches and he had mentioned just how he thought Evan Barrett kind of plays on that edge and – um, so maybe, maybe he does fill that fill that Shaw type player, and certainly, uh, kind of not knowing what Shaw's status here is in the future, that uh, they, they'll certainly need that, and 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 maybe Barrett's a couple of years out, but yeah, they that type of player, and when you look back at when they did have success, they certainly had a um, a versatile third line, and you know guys that can move up and down the lineup, but certainly in those grinding type too. So, um, and, and then today there was uh, I don't know if when it, I don't know when Ellie Freeman actually talked in the radio. But, it was a few days ago. Uh, a few days ago. Okay. Yeah, you. I, I didn't listen to the actual radio uh, hit, but you did, and and so maybe you can give a little more context. Yeah, Elliot Friedman was on a Buffalo radio station. I think it's WGR. I want to say. I apologize if I got that wrong. Um, and uh, he's just doing a hit, and you know, as Elliot does, he's the most plugged in guy around, along with you know Mackenzie and Drager and and our guy Pierre LeBrun. Uh, so what he says, people run with, and for good reason. Um, he basically said that Dylan Strome is, you know, available. That doesn't mean they're shopping him. I think a lot of people are twisting the words a little bit and saying that the Blackhawks are looking to trade him. There's a big difference between available and being shopped, and I don't think there's any indication that he is actively being shopped. But you can't you can't be terribly surprised if that's the case. The Blackhawks are in a bind, and they were going to be tight against the cap no matter what this year. Um, and now, you know, we have to expect that the cap's not going to go up at all. It's going to be probably flat, if not going down. And if that's the case, you got to I think Dominic Kubalik is your number one priority. I think Corey Crawford is probably your number two priority because you need a goalie going forward. You don't want to have Delian mm-hmm. Lankinen as your tandem next year. Strom, they, they, they want to keep Strom. Everybody li- on the team likes Dylan Strom. But if he's going to be, if Kirby Doc has leapfrogged him as your number two center and he's going to be your number three center, maybe they don't want to pay him three and a half. Four million dollars, whatever, whatever he gets, whatever he's worth, and maybe they can't afford to pay him that. So I don't think the Blackhawks are looking to trade Dylan Strome. But if someone was going to drop a first round pick on them this year, like Buffalo, and then you know Buffalo, the the, the radio hosts in Buffalo were very excited when they heard Dylan Strome might be available. <laughs> um, I, you know, you'd be foolish not to at least consider it. And now Dylan Strome, he just turned twenty three like a couple of weeks ago. He is. In his prime, he has been a very good player for two years now. He he had a cold spell this year when they put him on the wing. He's a little kind of a fish out of water. But every time they've had him in the right spot, he's been productive, a, a very productive player. He's, you know, uh, got that uh, undeniable innate chemistry with Alex DeBrinkett. I would not be looking to move Dylan Strom, but something might have to give here if you're going to make all this work and the cap's not going up because they're not playing any hockey and the Canadian dollar is plummeting and gas prices are a buck sixty-five a gallon you can't expect the cap to go up and something might have to give. 
And someone mentioned today too that you know analytically and statistically even that just Strom's numbers, defensive numbers were better, but his offense was down. But uh, and the point then later on the same person made was about how you know if you look at DeBrinket's production that was down. So I think the fact that DeBrinket was down in five on five you know goals and uh, you know that probably has something to do with Strom's production being down too. Where those two. Um, you know, over the last two years, they've pretty much been on the ice for a lot of Debrinkit's goals, and Strom set up a lot of those goals too. So, I, I think the Brinkett's off year probably, um, you know, inadvertently affected, uh, you know, just what Strom, how he was viewed and such. And, and certainly coming off that injury, I think he was. It took him a little bit while to get back, but um, yeah. And the, I guess the other thing is just how how are the Blackhawks better next year if they lose someone like Strom? You know, like you think some of those guys take steps forward, but I mean, Strom's still. I don't know. Was he second in points on the team this year? I mean, he was. He was still up there in, in points, and I. I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know if he's the long-term solution, but in the short term, it seems like Stroll makes his team better, and at least now until everyone other guys are producing or stepping up, like you, you sort of, you sort of need that in your lineup still. Right. That's that's exactly my point. You don't. You know. You go dating back to like the Kings teams of the early 2010s when they were dominant. You win by having depth down the middle. You win by having capable centers on every line. And the Blackhawks have that if they go Taves, Doc, Strom, and then Carpenter or Camp, whichever one you want. They don't really have that if it's Taves, Doc, Camp, Carpenter. You can't have your bottom six centers be two complete offensive washout grinder guys. They're good players, but they're not gonna they're not gonna drive possession. They're not gonna score goals. You need a Dylan Strom as your Dylan Strom as a third line center is great. As a second line center, you know, he's pretty good. But if you see a third line center, if Doc can really take that next step, that's why wouldn't you want to lock that up for years to come? Because Taves is still playing at a very high level. And if you have Taves Doc Strom, you can build a not only a playoff caliber team around that, but a potentially a championship caliber caliber team around that. You don't get better trading twenty three year old top three draft picks who are starting to come into their own. It would be madness to me. But again, there's a re, there's a financial reality here where something bad's gonna have to happen. Bad from the Blackhawks' perspective if they're going to stay at $81.5 million next year. Would you rather have Dylan Strom or would you rather have Corey Crawford? I don't know. Strom was fifth in points. He had 38 points in 58 games. Um, And he missed some time. Yeah, yeah. And part of it's the chemistry thing, too. Like, I don't know who Doc makes the most sense with yet. You know, like a... I, um, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, we saw with, you know, Taves with Kubalik and Saad and, you know, until Doc is, is ready, I don't know if he makes sense with Kane and, you know, we've certainly seen, um, or there has to be a different type of winger because I don't think they're going to put Debrinkin and Kane out there, you know, like we've seen that and I, I think Colleton's, you know, shied away from that and, and we certainly have seen Debrinkin, Strom and Kane, but, you know, I feel like when you put Strom and, and, and Debrinkin and Doc out there you you had something times and so I feel like that's in the picture too where like you need to obviously Doc's you know or, or Doc's in your plans and to bring it but how does this all how does this all play out and uh, you probably need some balance here because you have some guys who probably a little bit more uh, you know especially to bring it and and, and 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 you know I'd say Stroman Kane a little bit more offensive minded players that um, you want to have some balance there and, and have some defense reliability too and I felt like I felt like there was at times they had that this year. So I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's sort of balancing those lines too and figuring out where each guy fits because, um, yeah, I don't know if Doc and, and Debrinkin make sense or, you know, how how you actually construct the lines if um, if it's, if, if Strom doesn't come back. You know, like it's just, I guess there's a lot of a lot of questions to be had. And, and if they, 
and, and like you said, financially, I mean, this is what it comes down to. And but but even if that, like, if it's if it's a choice of buying someone out or or you know or I think they got to explore some of those things before they they go trading someone like Strum away as well. No, I agree. I mean, if you could do it with buyouts and and trading lesser players, absolutely do it. I just it, there, there's so much uncertainty and unknown. And I think that's probably part of what Elliot was talking about here. And he he did say that you know that anything could happen. I have the the quote here. He said uh, uh, he's available. He's available. I don't think the cost is really prohibitive. And then the host freaked out. He said, the whole thing about this is we don't know where any of this is going to take us. So it's a little bit different. And that's that's the thing right now is we have no idea what hockey is going to look like, when hockey is going to look like, and what the salary cap is going to be. So I think if you're Stan Bowman right now, all options are on the table. And if someone comes with you with an offer of a of a top 10, top 15 lottery pick for uh, you know virtually anybody outside of that untouchable tier, you, you'd almost have to consider it because of the financial implications, because you're still kind of building for the future here. And you, there's just so much unknown right now that I, I, I'd be curious to see if anyone would be able to make a trade during the hiatus. Are you allowed to make a trade during the hiatus? I know there's been some waiver moves, but can you make a trade during this? I don't even know what the rules are with I don't this. Think so. There's so I, much I, uncertainty that you know we don't know what's going on. I mean, we're still living. I mean, these are still the rules of the 1920 season. So we're we're past the trade deadline, and uh, I think at this point they're still assuming there's going to be a season. So I, I mean, I, I'm sure they can talk and have have discussions about trades, but it, it wouldn't be able to happen until the season was was officially over. And you know, depending on if it was a playoff team or not, or you know, like all those all those different implications too. So I, I imagine people could talk, and maybe there's discussions going on, but I, I don't think you'd be able to make a trade until the season was officially complete. So I mean. I mean, who knows when that's going to be, but, um, yeah, I mean, this is all fun. At least this is getting us to <laughs> we can pass some of the time with these discussions too, but yeah. Uh, thanks Elliot. We now, really appreciate the topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even now, like, I mean, there's talk about, I mean, they're talking about other venues and dates and stuff and it just, it just seems so far off. I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the numbers obviously in Illinois and, and um, so many other States to continue to increase. I, I, I think we, I think the NHL obviously has to do its due diligence and, and plan everything out, but it, it just still seems so far out uh, when we're actually going to see anything happen. Yeah, I still, I, I, I still firmly believe that there will not be any more 2019-20 season, whether it's regular season or playoffs. I think they'll be lucky if they can start the 2020-21 season on time. I think it's more likely that gets pushed back to November, even December at this point. Uh, anything is is up in the everything's possible, and I'm I'm maybe I'm being pessimistic, but I'm also trying to look at this realistically. So. Um, but again, if you're in the business, if you're in hockey ops somewhere, you have to plan for all contingencies. And I think you're going to hear a lot of things like this where this guy might be available because this team has no idea what the hell's going to happen. So I think yeah. you're going to have a lot of idle speculation like this. Some of it will be informed. A lot of it will not be. Um, but you have to kind of expect a lot of shit being thrown against the wall to see what sticks because, A, we're all really bored and just want to talk and talk about <laughs> hockey. And B... Uh, the the GMs are probably doing the same thing because they don't know what the hell's going on. We're just we're in this just un, un, unprecedented time where we just have no idea what to expect. Uh, today we released our uh, our fan survey, and I, I think it's something we'd like to do maybe you know quarterly or something. And it's, I think it's even something we talked about before all this happened. And then um, certainly there's been an increase of them and throughout the athletic and something we we've been wanting to do. So uh, if anyone hasn't uh, looked at the survey yet, uh, it's on uh, it's on the athletic and. 
uh, you know, there's a bunch of questions about confidence questions and even about retired jerseys and uh, whether you want Chelsea Dagger. Um, and there's an assortment of different questions. So if you get a chance to answer them, we'll, uh, I think for a week from now, we're going to plan on doing a story and re- re- releasing the results. And, um, you know, from today, just we saw some of the numbers. It seemed like there was positive, positive feedback and uh, a lot of people were getting involved. So hopefully the sample size is pr- pretty large. And um, and I think that's our hope with this is that just, uh, you know, I, uh, and Mark uh, and Mark wrote about it too. And even just in the beginning of the story about just how we hear so many different things. And this is how it sort of gives us an opportunity to kind of hear from hopefully a lot more people and, and different sides. And, um, you know, it's uh, usually it's the the vocal minority and maybe it's the vocal majority who's speaking. But I think this allows us to kind of, uh, uh, yeah, just to kind of look through the weeds a little bit and figure out what uh, what actually people are thinking and feeling about different uh, different components of the organization dude people are angry about the chelsea dagger question i was surprised i got a, a lot of pushback very quickly from that that people are irate <laughs> that we would even consider replace it's been 2008 it's been 12 years yeah. and that, that song to me i know you and i have talked about this a few times maybe pitching some ideas for replacements that song to me kind of identifies with the championship era. And if this is really a new era, I know that so many of those guys are still around and they're the faces of your franchise. So maybe, maybe the song lasts as long as Kane and Taves and Keith do, but it, it, it seems to me like that, that song is identified with three championships now. And maybe it's like the, the next generation comes in and there's a new song to come in. I know God, people thought it was like blasphemous to even consider it. <laughs> and and it's it's been adopted by so many other teams and other sports that i i don't know i just it, i know it's still unique to the blackhawks but it yeah i feel like it's it's played out a little bit and uh you know other teams have adopted it and you know blackhawks set the, set the standard for that but now yeah i don't know something cool something uh, uh something chicago-ish something yeah something unique and just something different uh like you said to kind of turn the page um would make a lot of sense to me, but I, obviously uh, we're not uh, traditional fans, and um, we, we're probably looking at it a different way. So if fans love it, yeah, it's it's great. You know, if that's what they want, then I'm all for it. But I I, I guess yeah, I was I, again. This is sort of what the survey is doing. It sort of uh, allow us to have a clearer picture of some of these opinions. Yeah, it's too bad they got rid of all the Swedes on the team. We could have had N for Allah for N that 2014 song that they did for the <laughs> Olympic team that I love. I play that for the kids now. Even the kids like it. I wake up my daughter on her uh, Alexa with it half the time just to because it's. It, it, I'm telling you, if that song came out like in the 1980s in English, it would have been a hit song. It's a good song. If you had a uh, at bat song, what would it be? Oh God, um, you, you think I would have thought about this already? Maybe something like uh, like Man in the Box. Maybe like the, oh, the driving okay. guitar part of Allison. Dun, dun, dun. Like, that'd be pretty good. I think I, I, I've, always enjoyed, <laughs> I've always enjoyed, uh, enjoyed uh, Peter Piper uh, by Run DMC. It's always got this cool beat that I okay. think might be. Uh, yeah, I could work with that. Um, yeah. Um, uh, so you, uh, speaking of a little pop, uh, you, you went out and watched In Bruges. What, uh, I did. You didn't, you didn't actually go out. You went into your living room and watched In Bruges. Though. <laughs> I'm not allowed out. Um, it was really good. I, I, I didn't know what to expect. I went in. I kind of assumed it was about like Irish mobsters, and it kind of was. It was you know Irish hitmen. Um, but it was really good. It was funny, but it was also it was it was it was compelling and dark and the ruminations on purgatory and in Bruges, Bruges being purgatory for them. It was, it was fascinating. I kind of want to watch it again with, uh, uh, now that I know a little bit more about it going in and try to, you know, I like movies that make me like run to the internet to read think pieces about them. And I wasn't expecting that with this. I was expecting it to be kind of like a funny comedy where people say fuck a lot. 
and uh, it it wasn't so much that it was it was really good, and I and I I I I, I thank you for putting it in front of my face. Now you have to go watch Young Frankenstein. Yep, that is on my which isn't uh, even like I, I just threw it out there. It's not it, that's like a, not like a one of my all time favorite movies, but it's like one of the great comedies of all time. You have to see that. Yeah. There's actually a movie that I wanted. I I, I wish I had put on my list, and I, and that was the thing I knew was going to happen. There's a movie called Sweet Sixteen, which is like a Scottish uh, gangster movie, a little bit that I uh, that I'd highly recommend too. But uh, the, the guy that wrote and directed in Bruges, uh, Martin McDonough, he's actually done a lot of. Uh, he's done some other movies, um, but he's done a lot of plays. And uh, I, I, my wife and I have seen a bunch of them in different spots. But if you ever, uh, I guess, if you've ever seen Martin McDonough. Um, uh, our, our producer just said I was making up movies again with Sweet Sixteen. Um, I think Molly Ringwald starting it. Um, but uh, yeah, look up Sweet Sixteen. It's really good. Uh, it's hard. The accent's a little so, bit hard. Scottish, but um, but Martin McDonough's had he's a lot, a lot of uh, great plays. And uh, there's a one called Lieutenant of Inishmore where uh, uh, they're killing cats and stuff. And it's uh, it's, it's, it's actually Jesus. it's another it's another dark <laughs> dark Irish comedy. But Jesus, um, no. what what has happened in your life that you gravitate towards this? <laughs> this is Irish of me. So um, tell me, was was Bruges when you went? Was it a fucking fairy tale? Uh, yeah, it's, Bruges is pretty. It was it was a little bit cold, but uh, uh, yeah, it's Bruges is pretty cool. We went to go see. We went to that uh, the museum where they have all the paintings and. Uh, the one with the purgatory, so that was pretty cool to see up up front. And we took a, a canal tour. Um, you you had to wait for like ten people to get there to, to, for them to, for the canal ride to actually leave. So you, you had to like try to recruit people or hopefully people were gonna come. So uh, on a cold day, but it, yeah, it was really cool. We stayed at uh, stayed at the hotel right off the right off the water, and uh, we tried to stay at the hotel they stay in the movie, but it was uh, it was booked up. So. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was, it was my wife's idea, and it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It's one of probably the coolest trips I've ever taken. And I watched the movie while I was in Bruce, so I uh, was definitely the nerd of nerds. But uh, it was. It was really cool. So. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: like, you're Mr. Independent guy, and I'm like Mr. Mainstream guy. I realize that. But me and my uh, and my daughters, we just finished watching all 22 MC Marvel Cinematic Universe movies in 22 days in chronological order wow. from like Captain America: First Avenger, Avenger through Spider Man: Far From Home. Um, have you seen any of those movies? Uh, I think I have. I think I've seen. You think you have? <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I have. Well, where should where should I start if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do that? You should watch them. I, I'm telling you, like it, they really are. I, I know that I know they're super mainstream and blockbuster popcorn movies, but they're really good. Like they're all good. You should start at Captain America: First Avenger and then okay. just watch all 22 of them. You have literally how, how do, to do, do I, right I can I can look up a list and just find where it starts and ends. Yeah, yeah. You just you, you you must have Disney Plus. You have a daughter, uh, I do, and yes. they're all on there except for I think two of them are on Netflix. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'll start. I, we've also decided. So my my whole pandemic has been uh, driven by my daughter's sleeping, and uh, it's been three weeks where she's getting up at just random times, and usually like five or before five. So today we decided that I was uh, my my wife's job is probably a little bit uh, harder right now, where she's got to take a lot of calls and stuff so we decided that i'm gonna have like basically a curfew of 9 p.m or 10 p.m every day so. <laughs> i'll tell you the one thing about this pandemic i have never like i haven't slept like this since i was like single and working nights when i would get home from work at like 12 30 in the morning go to sleep at four and wake up at noon every day i'm getting like nine hours of sleep every day my kids are sleeping till like 9 a.m i usually i'm going to bed around 11 11 30 I don't know if you can. I don't know if a sleep deficit oh, can off. be made up, but I have, 
I have eight years of traveling beat writing to catch up on all those 6 a.m. flights after night games. I don't know if you can if it's if it's scientifically possible to catch up on sleep, but God damn it, I'm doing my damnedest. Oh God, I'm on the other end where I'm like four and a half hours, five hours of sleep over here. <laughs> I, I, uh, but I, I was I'm thinking falling maybe, asleep I, on the couch in the middle of the day. It's great. <laughs> but I was thinking maybe if my wife said she'd take over at a certain point before the evening, but maybe I, I, I just every night I'll settle down and and watch a little uh, Marvel movie and I'll make it a routine yeah, I'm and. Telling you. and um, so good. Yeah, I will. I'm gonna give Young Frankenstein and the Marvel movies. I, I'm not against uh, mainstream movies. I've seen many. I just, I uh, no, you're a hipster. I, man. I, I see every year. I see your your music list. It's in like 19 of the 20 bands I've never heard of because I listen to like Alt Nation, which is all the mainstream alternative rock bands, and you're I listening to listen that serious XMU with all the ones nobody's ever heard of. I I, I, I listen to both those stations on, on Sirius XM, so I, I hear it all. <laughs> I just I just choose to like some more than others, so. Um, All right. Well, next week, next week we're gonna get into TV, and uh, again, I I feel like I'm a TV connoisseur. Like that's my that's my medium. So uh, okay. I have. A you lot you of and I were actually supposed to go to a concert here in uh, in a few weeks. I have tickets to see the sounds in uh, in in Chicago in about f- three or four weeks. I've been wanting to see them for like a decade now. I miss them every time they're in town. It's like every three years I'm on a road trip somewhere, and now goddamn coronavirus, I'm gonna have to miss it again. Well, I don't know if you recall, but you... I am clearly you, you, the real you, victim of the coronavirus. You, you committed to a con... You, you committed to see the end, you will know us by the trail of the dead, which you're supposed to have seen a few weeks at the empty bottle. I, I would have been all about it. I don't, you said you were hey, going to go with me, so what, I... What, what, what are the, I, I totally would have gone. <laughs> okay. Did you actually buy tickets? Po- Do I owe you money? No, no, I, there's, uh, they, I'm, <laughs> the tickets are, uh, I think they I actually just got an email today about them. They said they're going to reschedule for July. So I'll, I'll let you know. About hey, the remember date. when we saw, uh, we saw against me during the playoffs in LA Yeah. at the, what was that place called? There's a, the, uh, sunset strip or something. Yeah, that was, that was really cool. Hollywoody name. That was a great show. I was like in a bar basically. That was a tiny little venue. That was great. At some point you need to take me to a, uh, a Pearl Jam show. I feel like that ultimate, ultimate experience with you. You're you're a forty year old sports writer. I don't know how it's possible you haven't been to a Pearl Jam show. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I walked by Wrigley one year when it was playing, and I sat there and listened. I like I like Pearl Jam. I just yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't go inside. So I, it 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 is. I mean, they're it, it's it's cliche, but they're one of those bands that are just so good live. That's just a different kind of energy. So we'll go. Don't worry. Right. We'll get back to like our end of the year banquet. Hell yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Um, so next week right. we'll talk about the survey results. We'll have that, and then we'll. Uh, We'll uh, yeah we'll we'll dive into some movies and maybe there's some news between uh, now and then and or or not or or something will happen. Everything so we write these days is just to give us fodder for the podcast at this point. Yeah, read uh, read Mark's uh, Howard Johnson story. Nobody is reading Mark's Howard Johnson story. Literally nobody. <laughs> I have a Jody Davis story coming out later this week, so we'll we'll see how that does. So at least that's the Chicago guy. People that our readers will have heard of him. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, well, make sure your children go don't fall in the fire. So, it looks so good. So my wife is not tending the fire. I can see it. It's basically burned out already. This is just <laughs> pathetic. All right, well, uh, we'll talk to you next week. This is Scott Powers from Mark Lazarus, and this is Laz and Powers. Take care. I can help even just a little.